Back in January, we sat as a family and we watched the movie Contagion, which stars uh, Matt Damon, Lawrence Fishbourne, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kate Winslet, amongst others. And if you haven't seen the film, the plot is basically as follows. A terrible new virus uh, crosses from animals to humans in the Far East. And then as people on business travel back to their home countries, they spread the virus right across the world. And the whole world goes into lockdown and scientists race to try and find a vaccine to solve the problem. And we watched the movie as a family and we got really caught up with the drama and the suspense, little knowing that in a few months time, a few months later, we would be living in a pretty much identical situation. I don't know about you, but for me, the last week or so has felt like I'm living in a movie, like in a film set. I feel at times like I'm an extra on the movie Contagion. The events that are uh, unfolding are so bizarre that it's really difficult to accept that they're real at times. Watching the news each day has seemed a little bit like a dream. Is this really happening? What a crazy week this really has been. I've never known anything like it in my life, and I'm sure that most of you have never experienced anything like this before. I could never have imagined a few weeks ago that I would be down here on my own at Regent Chapel preaching to you via the internet and talking into a phone. And I'm sure you couldn't have imagined this time last week that you'd be sat watching, uh, experiencing church online, watching Ryan, Daniel, myself on the internet. These are really, really crazy days, aren't they? And if we're not careful, we can really easily be just overwhelmed by what is happening all around us. Things are already pretty crazy here in the UK, and we have to assume that they will only get worse and more difficult. We have to expect scenes, I guess, like those in Italy and like those in France that we've seen, with the police enforcing curfews and hospitals overflowing and unable to cope. And if we think about that kind of situation for too long, that kind of thing for too long, it can really freak us out and cause us to panic. Most of us under 80 have never experienced, never faced anything like this ever before in our lives. This is totally new for us. If you're over 80, you can probably remember back to the war, the Second World War. And maybe there were some parallels there at times in the situation with the war. But for the rest of us, for most of us, then this is a whole new reality. And some of us will be really struggling to get our heads around it and not panic, not go into kind of free fall mode. And whilst I don't want to add to that panic this morning, we do have to face the reality that some really serious things might happen in the next few weeks and months. Businesses are going to go bust. Some of you may sadly lose your jobs. Some of you this morning are really worried about the impact of this on your education, on your exams. What's going to happen in September? Some of you have had your plans cut short and you've had to return home after um, being at Bible college or on a gap year place and people like Nathaniel and, and, and Chris and Naomi. Some of you will get sick. Some of you may lose loved ones and some of you may even die. And faced with this reality, it's really easy for us to be just kind of paralyzed with fear and anxiety or even to become bitter and, and really begin to resent what has happened and what is actually happening as you watch your dreams put on hold or as you see your dreams come to an end or even Sadly, watching lives come to an end. When I was a kid in junior school, we had a headmaster called Mr. Patching. And when the fire alarm would go off, he would uh, stop us and he would say, we are British. We remain cool, calm and collected. And we will leave the building in an orderly fashion. 
He was very old fashioned. He'd been in the RAF during the war. This morning, I don't want to appeal to our sense of Britishness of doing things in an orderly fashion, although that would be good or any other nationalities kind of characteristics for that matter. What I want to appeal to is the hope that we have in God. Paul says this as he writes his first letter to Timothy, and he says, we have put our hope in the living God, who is the saviour of all people and especially of those who believe. Now, most of you who are watching this morning have at some point in the past given your life to Jesus and, you're, and you've asked him to be your Lord and your saviour. You, we are those that have put our hope in the living God. But that's a choice that we don't just make historically. It's a choice we continue to make day by day. That's what it means to walk by faith, to live by faith, daily making that choice to put our hope, to choose to put our hope in the living God and not in other things, not in the things of this world, to keep on putting our hope in the living God. Now, we may be in for some really crazy days ahead and we may face all kinds of challenges and difficult situations which we could never have imagined. Sadly, this isn't a movie. This is real life. We're, we're not on a movie set. This is real. But as those who've asked Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, we put our hope in the living God. And we need to keep on doing that, making that choice to do that every day, to put our hope in the living God. Now, over the last few weeks here at Regent, we've been working our way through the book of Exodus in the Old Testament of the Bible. We've been looking at how God led the Israelites from Egypt all the way to the promised land. And, and last week we looked at how Moses struck the, the rock and, and God provided all the water from the rock. And we're going to continue picking that up next week. So do tune in next week and you'll be able to follow us in that. But about if, if you fast forward in the story from the water on the rock towards the end of that 40 years in the desert, we find the Israelites are about to enter into the promised land, the land that we now know as Israel or Palestine. And they still face all kinds of uncertainties and fears about what would lie ahead. They had to take over this new land. They didn't know what was ahead of them. And it was into that context that Moses said these words in the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament of the Bible. He said, know therefore today and take it to your heart that the Lord... He is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. Know therefore today and take it to your heart that he is the Lord, that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. Moses, in this key moment in, in the nation of Israel's history, reminds the Israelites that God is in control. Whatever happens in the future to the Israelites, it will only happen because God and if God permits it. And as followers of Jesus this morning, 3,500 years later or so, we are called to be those who put our hope in the same living God that Moses challenged the Israelites to put their hope and trust in. God is still on the throne this morning. He is still on the throne. The, the Lord God is sovereign. He hasn't lost control. The coronavirus, COVID-19, hasn't caught God by surprise. God is at work in the middle of all the chaos that's going on around us. And he's achieving his purposes for us as individuals, for us as a church family, and indeed for the whole world and for ultimately for his glory. And even though it's all a bit of a nightmare and we may have some really tough days ahead, God is at work. God is sovereign. 
God hasn't lost control. Please grab a hold of that this morning. Whatever we face ahead, God hasn't lost control. This hasn't caught God by surprise. God is sovereign. Now, when we say that God is sovereign, what do we mean by that? Well, God's sovereignty simply means his exercise of rule as sovereign or as king, as king over his creation. So whatever might happen in the days that lie ahead, however crazy things might get, God is sovereign. God is ruling over his creation as king or as sovereign. God is in control. So what does that mean for us in reality? Well, God knew before he even created the world that you would be sitting here this morning watching this broadcast live on the Internet. The Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. And although God is not the cause of the virus, God is at work in the midst of this, bringing good from it for those who love him. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord, the Bible tells us. So as crazy as events may seem at the moment, and they may get much worse, as followers of Jesus this morning, we are called to put our hope in the living God, the God who's sovereign, because our God is sovereign, our hope is in him. Because God is sovereign, we put our hope in him. We can and we should be really, really grateful for our NHS and our public services and our government for all that they're doing. It's an unprecedented amount of kind of work and and, and effort going on to help us all. And we need to pray for those who are serving and leading on the front line. We need to pray that the scientists are able to find a vaccine as soon as possible. But as those who believe in and trust in Jesus, our hope is not in the NHS, as amazing as it may be. Our hope, our trust, our faith is not in a vaccine, as brilliant as that would be and as much as we should pray for that. Our hope this morning is in God. When we put our faith and trust in God, we have a hope. He is our hope. We have a certain future that is eternal and it's so much bigger than this world or this life. Now, we may or may not catch the virus. We may or may not die from the virus. Our hope in God is not that he stops us getting the virus or that he heals us from it. That's not what it means to be a Christian, that we're exempt from these things or that if we pray hard enough, we won't get these things. Our hope is in God. He is our hope and the amazing eternal eternal life that we have through trusting in Jesus. This life is important and what happens in this life is important. But if we've trusted in Jesus today, then we've been given life that goes way beyond this world and anything that this world has. We've been given eternal life. And that's where our hope, that's where our faith, that's where our trust lies or where it should be. Our hope is that one day we will see Jesus face to face and be with him forever. That is what our hope as Christians, as followers of Jesus is. That's what we're hoping for. Jesus is our hope. And when the Bible talks about hope, it's not that kind of fingers crossed, sort of I'm hoping that something will work out kind of thing. Biblical hope is a rock solid certainty that we're living by. Paul says this in Romans, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We put our hope and our trust in the God of hope. And as we do so, this verse says that he then in turn fills us with joy and peace so that in turn we might overflow with hope to others. 
The God of hope gives us joy and peace and more hope and more certainty as we trust in him, as we make that daily choice to trust in him and put our hope in him, no matter what happens in the days and weeks that lie ahead. So what does that look like in reality? What does that mean for us? Well, it means to come to God on that daily basis, hour by hour, minute by minute even, and surrender your life, surrender my life to God on that ongoing basis. It's about coming to him and saying, you are God and there is no other. You are in charge and I choose to trust you no matter what happens, believing that you know best. And if I lose my life, then I choose to believe that I will be with you forever. And I know that being with you, Lord Jesus, forever will be so much better than anything this world can offer me. That's what it means to put our hope in God. That's what it means to trust in God's sovereignty. That's what hoping God looks like on a daily basis. But believing that God is sovereign and is in control doesn't mean that we just become fatalistic. Or that we won't experience all kinds of real anxieties and worries and stresses in the coming days. What it means is that we're able to bring all of those feelings and stresses and emotions and situations to the living God. Knowing that he is bigger than all of those things, bigger than any of them, and that he's in control. King David said these words in the Old Testament of the Bible. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. God doesn't want us to hide our anxieties from him and our worries from him. He wants us to be honest with him. We're in a relationship. He is our father, Abba, dad, father. We're in a father-child, father-son relationship. And he wants us to come to him and be real and honest with him and tell him how we're feeling this morning. He already knows how we feel. He's the God who knows everything. So he wants us to be honest with him. What he wants us for, for, is for us to be honest with him. And when we're honest with God, as we talk to him by praying, then we receive the peace that God gives to those that love him. Paul says this in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So how are we meant to be honest with God? Well, we talk to God in prayer like David did. We talk to God in the way that the Apostle Paul encourages us to do here. We can bring all of our worries and our anxieties and our emotions to the God who loves us, the God who is our father, if we put our trust in Jesus. And as we bring them to him in faith and open our hearts to him, something amazing happens. As we give him our anxieties, as we tell him what's on our heart, he gives us peace. The peace that God gives is a supernatural peace that can't be obtained from anyone else or anything else. It's a peace that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. God wants us this morning. God wants us as we live through this experience just to come to him on a regular basis in prayer, living out that relationship and tell him how we feel and be honest with him. And that brings as we do as we do that, that brings supernatural peace. In addition to the obvious health problems, physical health problems that COVID-19 will bring and, and, and does in fact bring, our mental health will also face face great strain in the, days that, in the days that lie ahead. But this verse tells us that when we come and talk to our Heavenly Father, 
The peace that he then gives us protects our mental health. He guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The Bible was talking about mental health way before this became a popular phrase. If you're worried about your mental health, put your hope in God. But, you know, even though God can and does give us his supernatural peace when we come to him in prayer, that doesn't mean that we're exempted from suffering or death. God can and does sometimes miraculously heal people. But when he does that, it is just that. It is a miracle. It's not normal. Miracles are by very definition something that doesn't happen every day. It's not normal. And the Bible says this, that man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. People are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Now, I don't know if I will die of COVID-19. I may do. Probably won't on the balance of medical probabilities and so on. But I might. But whether I die of COVID-19 or not, what I do know is that I won't. I will die one day. Sooner or later, this is going to happen. We will all die. It's a fact of life. A sad fact of life, which we don't like talking about, but we need to, especially at times like this. And it's a fact of life that we need to be prepared for. And we need to prepare for the fact this morning that some of our church family may die because of COVID-19. As unpleasant as it is to have to say, we all need to be prepared for the fact that we may lose loved ones. And we also may lose church members to this virus. But we also need to face up to the fact that we may lose our own life. That may happen. And the question is, the big question, the biggest question there is in life is this. Are we ready to die? Are you ready to die this morning? Are you trusting Jesus with your not just your life, but with your death, with your eternity? Are you entrusting your eternal future into God's hands? And when you die, will you die well? Will you die ready to die? It's not that we should seek death or look forward to death. Death is never nice. Death is never good. God hates death. We should hate death. In fact, Jesus came to destroy death and he did that when he died on the cross and defeated Satan. But knowing that we will all one day die, are we ready for it? We will one day each one of us die. That might happen in co through COVID-19 or it might not. The question is, will we approach death the way that the Apostle Paul did when he said this? If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yeah, what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to be to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Death is never nice. Death is never good. But for the person who's trusted in Jesus like Paul had 2,000 years ago. Death no longer holds the fear that it once did. None of us will enjoy the experience of dying, but death no longer needs to hold that fear over us that it once did because of Jesus. Because when we die, if we've trusted in Jesus, we'll go to be with him forever. And there may be some of you here watching this morning and you know in your heart that you are not ready to die. Because you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour. And, and maybe, if the truth be told, you are terrified of death. Death's the one thing nobody likes to talk about, I guess. You know this morning that you are a sinner. The Bible says every one of us has sinned. We've all fallen short of God's perfect standard. You know that your life is full of wrong things. And that those sins are preventing you from having that relationship with God that you were created for. 
Now, I don't want to play on anyone's emotions this morning. That's not what I'm trying to do. But if you die before you confess to God the fact that you have sinned, that you've fallen short of his perfect standard, and before you ask Jesus to forgive you and ask him to give you eternal life, then when you die, you will face Jesus as your judge and not as your saviour. And God will judge your sins and you will spend eternity in what the Bible calls hell, eternally separated from God and from all that's good. There is a simple solution to that problem, a fantastic solution, and that's to come to Jesus, confess your sins, thank him for dying for you on the cross, ask him to forgive you and give you eternal life. And when you take that step, when you really mean that, then you will be forgiven. You will become a brand new person. You won't look any different on the outside, but you'll be a brand new person on the inside with a relationship, an eternal relationship with God, not based on the good stuff that you do or, or haven't done, but based on Jesus and who and what he is and what he's done. We're all washing our hands a lot, aren't we, at the moment? A great deal. We're all trying to make our hands clean, make ourselves clean and get rid of this terrible virus and stuff we're passing on. But far more important than washing our hands is having our hearts and our lives washed by Jesus, by surrendering our lives to him and asking him to make us clean, spiritually clean, clean from the inside. And that's something that, if that's something that you've yet to do, then can I encourage you, take that step today. Yes, keep washing your hands with, with soap and hand sanitizer. Absolutely, we should definitely be doing that. But more importantly, even more importantly than that, ask Jesus to wash your life clean. Ask Jesus to clean you from the inside out and make you right in God's sight so that you can have the wonderful eternal relationship with him through Jesus that he made you for. And if you're watching online this morning, and if this is you, you can indicate that you've taken that step, if that's a step you want to take, by responding to the box that will come up on the screen. Or you could email me direct if you want to follow this up. Just email me direct at andy.regentchapel at gmail.com, andy.regentchapel at gmail.com. And if you indicate that or if you do want to know more about that or what that might look like, then we then uh, indicate on the screen or email and we will get back in touch with you this day and we will follow that up with you. We'll be delighted to talk more with you about that and help you take that next step, whatever that looks like for you. Now, it's probably true that most of you watching this morning are able to say that you have trusted in Jesus. And that's fantastic. That's brilliant. And he's washed you and he's made you clean and he's given you eternal life. That's a step that you've taken in the past. And if that's you this morning, then what does God want you to do with your life during this crisis? Well, look at Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Before, just before Jesus uh, ascended back to heaven, he died, he'd risen again, he was about to go back to heaven and he says goodbye to his disciples. And we read these words. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, look at that last phrase. Jesus promises to be with those who have trusted in him right up until the very end of this age. And we're all getting used to, aren't we, the, the concept of social distancing, keeping two meters away from everybody. Well, the great news is about Jesus is that he is not into social distancing. He's not going to abandon us. If you if you've trusted in him at whatever point in your life, Jesus will not abandon you. Jesus will not socially distance himself from you. He will always be with you, always be with me if you've trusted in him. 
He will always be with us right to the very end, whether that's the end of our lives or whether that's when he comes again. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that we have in Jesus. Jesus will be with you. He's right there alongside you in the person of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible teaches us that he lives within us by the power of his Holy Spirit, if we've trusted in him. He's never going to leave you, no matter what lies ahead, no matter what we face. And that's a great comfort to know that no matter how sick we might get or how much our lives might be affected by this virus, Jesus isn't leaving us. Jesus will not leave us. He will be with us. He will always be with us. One of the reasons he's always with us is to comfort and strengthen us. But another reason is to give us the power to tell other people about him. He's not just here for our benefit. He's here to work through us, to give us the power and the ability to go out and tell lots of people that Jesus loves them so that they too can trust in him. The great commission from Jesus, this great command to go and make disciples, make followers of Jesus, carries on. It doesn't get put on hold. The Great Commission is not being put on hold whilst COVID-19 exists, whilst we deal with COVID-19. In fact, it becomes all the more urgent for us. We need to keep on doing whatever we can to tell people the good news about Jesus, the gospel. We've had to suspend our normal activities here at Regent. So we can't, as a church, do that in the way we would normally do through all our normal outreaches and activities. So we've got to look for new ways and be creative and inventive, new ways to tell people about Jesus. And the best way that we can do that really is on a one on one, one to one with people around us. You know, this morning, there are many, many Christians in the world that can't meet on a Sunday normally anyway because of persecution. And there are many churches that can't meet or can't put on events because it's illegal. Now, we suddenly found ourselves as a church here in the UK in the same situation, but for a different reason. But the challenge that we face is nevertheless the same in one sense. We still need to be active. We still need to be active in telling people about Jesus. We still need to be active in carrying out this great commission from Jesus. It's true that our social interaction is going to be significantly limited in the coming days and the coming weeks. But we can still text people. We can still phone people. We can still email people. For now, at least, we can still talk to people on the street and when we're out and about as long as we stay two metres away from them. And as the weather improves, hopefully, and it warms up, we can talk to the neighbours, perhaps over the garden fence, again, as long as we maintain that social distancing. And as our neighbours, as the people around us will no doubt be struggling and worrying and perhaps be really, really afraid, in the midst of that fear and in the midst of that real worry, we can tell them and live out and show them a different story, a story of hope. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in Jesus. And our hope in God and in Jesus should overflow with or should cause us to overflow with joy and peace, as that verse we read earlier said, so that we're different, that we look different, that we behave differently. That we're living differently in and through this crisis. The Apostle Peter, one of Peter's, uh, one of Jesus disciples, said this in the New Testament. He said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. As we live like this, people will see that we're different and they'll want to know what is the reason for the hope that we seem to have? How come you are not going to pieces? How come you are still carrying on? How come you have this joy and peace in the midst of this crazy time? And when that happens, then we need to be ready to give an answer for the reason for that hope. 
but to do it with gentleness and respect. So we should look and behave differently to those around us. We shouldn't be doom mongers. We shouldn't walk around us in despair. We have hope in Jesus. We've got a different story to tell. We've got an amazing hope to share. We might end up in quarantine, but you can't quarantine the gospel. We might end up in quarantine, but you can't quarantine the gospel, the good news about Jesus. This amazing good news that Jesus died for us so that our sins can be forgiven and that we can have eternal life cannot be contained. We don't want the coronavirus to spread, but we do want the gospel, the good news about Jesus to spread out around us. We have hope. So let's spread our hope. And as we demonstrate and exhibit that hope, let's put that hope into practice. Let's live out what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to obey the commands of Jesus, as he says in, in Matthew 28. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was in the whole of the Bible, he said these words, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest commandment is to love God. And the second greatest commandment in the Bible is to love our neighbor, the people all around us, whoever they might be, and to love them in the same way that we love and care for ourselves. You can sum up the whole Bible basically with these commands, love God and love your neighbor. That's what our strap line is here at Regent. Passionate about God, passionate about people, loving God and loving people. And of course, the greatest way that we can love people is to tell them about the hope that we have in Jesus. That is the greatest way we can ever love anybody. But in addition to that, we need to demonstrate our love in practical ways. That starts with our own church family. And then it reaches out to everybody in need, whoever it is. The Bible says this, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So in terms of our church family, those who belong to the family of believers, our church family, Phone each other, text each other, keep in touch with, you, with each other in the coming days. We may not be able to socially interact, but we can phone each other, we can text each other, we can message each other, we can stay in contact. The elders and the deacons and the church staff will be doing that. They'll be following up and phoning around people in a kind of systematic basis. But we can all do that. Don't leave it just to a few. Let's get, at, let's get busy doing this. We are the church. Let's, let, let's do this. We're going to be setting up online home groups and uh, so that our home groups can still function. We in our home group, in, in the home group that we host in our home, in, in Claire and I's home, we trialed that on Tuesday evening and it was great. It was really good. I was not really sure how it would work, but it was fantastic. We used great software and we're going to be rolling that out across the church uh, here at Regent in the coming week. And we'll be arranging that and you'll hear more about that. But let's not just restrict this interaction just to our church family. Why don't you pop a note, write a note. You can download them off the internet or you just write your own. Pop a note through the door of the houses around you and give them your name and your number in case they're unable to get out. Offer to get their shopping, to walk their dog, to put post in the post box or take it to the post office or to get medical prescriptions or whatever else it might be. As a church, we're in the middle of setting up a team headed up by Chris uh, and Naomi that we're calling our emergency response team for our local community. And the plan is that in this week ahead, we will leaflet, uh, leaflet drop the local neighborhood around our church building here in Gosforth and the, the local area. And we'll offer to provide those very kind of services, uh, dog walking, uh, shopping, uh, taking posts, getting prescriptions, all of that kind of stuff, praying for people who want prayer, just talking to them on the phone. And if you want to help 
to distribute those leaflets. We've got 2,000 leaflets that need distributing. Chris and Naomi don't want to do that on their own. If you can help do that this week, come and do 100. Get in touch with Chris or get in touch with Naomi and help them and help them put these leaflets out in this coming week. And you can also help uh, them. You can help Chris and Naomi as they uh, try to respond to those in need. As people get in touch and say, would you be able to help me with this? Would you be able to help me with that? Chris and Naomi can't do it all. If you want a high-vis jacket, with Regent Chapel on, come and get one. We've got some. You can get out there. You can help people. As long as we're able to move around, then we're going to be able to do that and try and help our local community. But you can do that where you live, just by popping notes in the doors around you as well, to love our neighbour as, as we love ourselves. And as we do all of these things, we need to pray for our government. We need to pray for our government. Paul says this in the New Testament. He writes to Christians and he says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all of those in authority. We could say for prime ministers or for presidents and all of those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good. And pleases God, our saviour, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So pray for our prime minister. Pray for the, the chief ministers who are carrying the burden of this, that the, the civil servants at the head of the different government departments. Pray for the chief medical officer, for the chief government scientific officer as they provide all the advice and technical advice. Pray for our NHS. Pray for the frontline public services and government staff. Pray for law and order. Pray for peace and security and pray that the good news about Jesus will still be able to spread during this critical time because God wants all people to be saved. These are strange times for us, but they're not strange to God. God is in control. God is sovereign and God is working out his perfect plan in your life and in my life and in our nation's life and in, the, and in this whole world. I want to close this morning by reading two passages from the Bible. The first is from uh, Romans chapter 8 and it's verses uh, 31 to 39. It's a passage, if you're a Christian, that you might be familiar with. And then the second we're going to read is from Hebrews 10. So I'm just going to read them and then I'm going to pray and then I'm going to hand back over to the guys and they're going to lead us in one more song. And then Ryan's just going to explain a little bit what's going to be happening in the weeks ahead. So firstly, Romans chapter 8, and we're going to read from verse 31 to 39. The Bible says this, what shall we say then? In response to this, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, or we could add, or COVID-19? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, and we could add, nor any virus, 
Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then lastly, from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. And this is written to church churches, church congregations. And this is what it says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, in other words, heaven itself, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, in other words, Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. Let us not give up meeting together in the virtual space or online if we can't meet physically. Let us not give up meeting together, Hebrews says, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching, the day, of course, when Jesus returns for those who love him. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning and we praise you and we worship you. We thank you that you are a God who loves us. We thank you this morning that you are a God who is in control. You are sovereign and we thank you for that. Father, we pray for uh, our nation at this time. Lord, we pray for protection for the vulnerable, for the sick, for the elderly. We pray you'd protect them from this virus. We pray for a vaccine to be found. We pray for the NHS staff and the public staff on the front line. We pray for our prime minister and the, 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 the chief government ministers and officers as they try to lead the country at this difficult time of crisis. We pray for our church family and we pray that you'll help us to stay in contact with each other. Help us to stay in touch with one another and encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. But we thank you this morning, Lord, that our hope is not in a vaccine or in the NHS or in the government. Our hope is in the living God. Our hope is in you. And we thank you that Jesus is that rock, that cornerstone that we can build our lives on. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. We, we trust this morning in Jesus and we worship you. We thank you that he gave his life for us there on the cross so that we can have eternal life. We can have a relationship with you and be with you forever. Thank you for that wonderful hope that we have through Jesus and in Jesus. We praise you this morning. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.